Yellow. I am David Ransombacus. I identify as patriarchy. My pronouns are ist, phobe, and phobic. I am your host. On the Madcast Show. Hello, hello, and welcome back. For those of you who are still with me, I'm glad you're here. That means uh, you have not been offended by the raw, gross, and even repulsive masculinity oozing out of the speakers right into your ear. Oh my god, that almost sounds dirty. <laughs> On that note, today's show I like to call Flaccid. And the uh, innuendo is intended. There is a real thing that could be referred to as toxic masculinity. But I don't like to use the phrase toxic masculinity on principle. Because I can't use it. If I did, I would be pandering to this progressive feminist bullshit. And the thing is, with toxic masculinity, it's the exact opposite of what they're telling you. And the cause of it is the exact opposite of what they're telling you. So this episode, I will call flaccid. And flaccid is my term I'm going to be using to replace the leftist progressive offering of toxic masculinity. I have encountered many toxic men, and I was raised by one. And, again, I don't like the word toxic. I don't like toxic masculinity, because masculinity itself is not toxic. And that's what the feminist progressives are trying to tell you. But while we're on the subject, I want to bring up the other side. There is a temptation for men like me to adopt the term uh, toxic femininity, you know, kind of as a pushback, and I did for a while, but I don't want to use that word either. I don't want to divide the genders against each other, because that's this whole cultural Marxist point, is to pit us against each other. Humans suck, okay? Humans do terrible things to each other. Women do terrible things to men. Men do terrible things to women. You know, let's just call it a human thing. Okay? We're just going to we're we're just going to go with that. There is no one gender that's superior to another. We all suck. And I am not going to get into a pissing match over who sucks more than another. Okay? We all suck. And I think if you're going to go with the Bible, it's called sin. We have sin. We failed to meet up to God's principles and standards. Therefore, we must all, men and women, repent of our sins. So, let's talk about flaccid men. The opposite of rigid. And I think rigid will be next show. 
just so we can cover the uh, full spectrum. <laughs> a flaccid man is exactly what it implies. Weak-willed, limp, passive, and even worse, passive-aggressive. These are men that, and oh my god, they're everywhere. It's actually an epidemic in our culture. By the way, if you study history of previous empires, it's actually very typical of a late-stage empire situation or an empire in decline. This is actually nothing new at all. It's as old as human civilization itself. Men just become weak. They become soft. They become passive and they actually live in fear. It's inevitable. It happens in every great empire and every great civilization. I could do a little bit of a history lesson of how we got here and I think I will do a future show actually called How We Got Here. Because we're going to need to rewind almost back to a hundred years. But not now. I am going to point out what I have observed in my 43 years. And in my opinion, masculinity skipped a couple of generations. And I'm not the only one who notices it. Uh, back in the 90s, there was a desperate cry to resuscitate and re-energize masculinity, both from Christianity and from the non-Christian men out there. Um, if you're a Christian man and you came of age in the 90s and you were going to church in the 90s and early 2000s, you would have remembered John Eldridge. And his book, Wild at Heart, and that was supposed to rekindle solid masculinity in the hearts of men. And, you know, John Eldridge was actually where I got my start on my journey, as I pointed out before. But you also had Robert Bly. He was not a Christian, and I've mentioned him before in a couple of shows. Uh, he wrote Iron John. In my opinion, that is the man Bible. It's a must-read for every man. You have to read it. It's, I don't know. It, 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 I don't think you can call yourself a complete man if you don't even read a, even a couple of chapters in Iron John and really understand what Robert Bly is saying. It's beautifully, wonderfully written, well-studied, well-researched. The guy knows what he's talking about. Then there was Sam Keen and Fire in the Belly. and In my opinion... That generation was the last cry of men gasping for air, a final plea to keep their masculinity alive before our entire culture went completely flaccid because I have not seen another book since then. Yours truly will end up writing one before he dies. I spent years, decades wandering around this world trying to find some kind of sanity as I emerged from the horrific dumpster fire and train wreck that was my upbringing. One woman 
abused and emasculated all three of us boys. And by boy, I include my dad. Because I don't even respect him as a man. She abused all three of us. She emasculated all three of us. And I spent years dragging my man guts and bleeding profusely everywhere I went. And nobody understood what was wrong with me. I just recently stopped the bleeding. I was just recently able to start putting two and two together to really understand what was going on. You can rest assured tonight you will no longer have to worry about stepping on my intestines because now they're all inside again and I'm not dragging them around. I get around and I hear what this generation of women are saying about men. And the complaints have changed. Older generation, boomer generation, hippie, uh, feminist shit. They were complaining about the brutal, mean patriarch. The abusers. The assholes who would beat their wives into submission. Spousal rape was a thing. I'm hearing what today's women are complaining about. They're complaining about something very different. They're complaining about men that don't know what they want. They're complaining about men being... They're not going to use these words, I will, because I understand. Men are being passive-aggressive. They're not bold. They don't say exactly what they want. Instead, they creep. They do this weird little creepy thing because they don't know how to deal with women. They don't know how to engage women. They don't know how to approach a woman. It's now a thing to send dick pics on your phone. No. Hell no. And by the way, somebody's going to get mad at me and I don't care. Men should not be posting selfies asking for approval. Okay? I belong to different groups on Facebook and what I see is just really disturbing. Men are posting pictures of themselves. How do I look? Do you approve of me? That's passive. That's beta. That's flaccid shit. I look ugly, and I don't care if I look ugly. I have no desire to be desirable. I am what I am. I don't dress or look to please anybody except for myself. I own me. But it's really disturbing. I get around into different groups and places on social media, and I see these men. Full-grown men. They're not even kids. Like, men my age, they're posting body shots. And they're begging for approval. They're begging for acceptance. They want to be called sexy. I'm like, holy shit, dude, no! No! And then you got the, of course, the younger generation. They're uh, born and raised on porn. Yes, porn is very easily accessible at any age. You get a hold of daddy's phone, you get a hold of a tablet, and you can get porn. It's very easy to get a hold of for any age. And a sign of the times is back when I was driving a school bus, I was uh, overhearing a conversation from a 14-year-old kid. He was telling me he had a porn addiction and he was trying to quit it. That's a problem, people! <laughs> and that's all these kids know how to relate as a man to a woman. They send dick pics. 
And women are like, ew, <laughs> no. <laughs> but they don't know any better because they don't have men teaching them. I hear women all the time saying that a boy will just, you know, they'll go and they'll have sex and then they'll just ghost the girl. They don't even do a proper breakup. And it's because he don't know how to be a man. He honestly doesn't know. He wasn't taught how to be a man. And so he gets scared off. And he doesn't know how to speak his mind. I hear this a lot. And a lady tell me that there was a guy who was interested in her, but he was very passive and kind of creepy. And, and you know, he used to beat around the bush. And, um, you know, he never just asked her, hey, you want to go out with me? Hey, let's go on this date. Let's go over here. Let's do this, and then I'll take you home and jump your bones or whatever. No, it didn't do that. And she was like, well, I don't know if I should just dump him, if I should just cut my losses. I, I looked at her and I said, yes. He does not know what he wants. And if he does, he's terrified to communicate it. You don't need that kind of man in your life. You need a man who knows exactly what he wants and is not afraid to say it bluntly. Hey, you, I like you. You have nice tits or you have a nice ass. Let's go out. That's crude. That's vulgar. I understand. But I would respect a man a lot more if he acted like that. There's some things that I have learned from other podcasts and vlogs by uh, alpha male types teaching and coaching men, and they've said a lot worse. I'm going to get into that in the next show. Let's go back to flaccid men. Flaccid is weak-willed. Flaccid is passive-aggressive. Flaccid is, okay, okay, whatever you want. I just want my pleasure. I want my beer. I want my entertainment. I want my sports. I want my action movies. I want my porn. I want my strip club. I want my sex. I want this and that. Do whatever it is you gotta do. Just don't interrupt my pleasure. Don't interrupt my fun. That's a flaccid man. This was specifically marked by the boomer generation, which is what the uh, millennials in Generation Z are decrying when they say, Okay, boomer! The boomer has this attitude of, I have my pleasure... I have all my widgets and bells and whistles. I'm living large. Everything I could possibly want, I've made it. Get the fuck away from me. Get your own. Generation X comes along. We don't have an inheritance. We've got nothing. We're stuck with our hands out. The boomer got so obsessed with pleasure and mindlessness and bullshit... That they left us out of the equation. Expected us to become men all by ourselves. And rebuild an entire life from scratch. And we didn't know what the hell we were doing. They forgot to pass the baton. And my dad 
hurt me more than anybody else. I talk a lot about the fact that I had an abusive mom. And that did destroy me. She did a number on me. But the one thing, and I can actually forgive all that, by the way. I can. You'd be surprised. But the thing that really destroyed me the most was Stockholm, craven, coward, disgusting human being of a passive beta cock dad who did not stand up to her. Who just let her do whatever she wanted to do. Who let her be whatever she wanted to be. He was a yes, dear. Very submissive, battered husband. Your Majesty, the Queen of Hearts. And the King. And there were a couple of key points in my life when I needed him. And he cut me off because I would not join him in his pussy worship. I would not join him in hyperinflating his wife's ego, putting her on the pedestal as a queen. That hurt far worse than anything my mom could have possibly done. And it's why I will never forgive him. And it's why, in my humble opinion, he deserves to burn in hell. And I have no problem saying it. God himself will have to step in and tell me different. But right now, I've got nothing nice to say to, about him or to him. Disgusting, passive, limp-dicked, beta-cock men who gladly handed their balls over the, to their wives, over to their girlfriends. Let's fast forward to today. Today, the woman acts exactly as she was treated. The boomer generation taught us to worship the woman and they worshiped the pussy and they put her on a pedestal. It started to go to their heads. So they started acting like a queen. And they started acting like a goddess. And they started expecting it. And now the woman rules over the man and we are expected to be yes dears. To be submissive and obedient without question. Just do what we're told. Let's fast forward a little more. It started with my generation. Started. My generation started seeing the bullshit. And we became more interested in our children. Well, the parents screwed up. Fuck the parents. We're on our own. And, well, you know what? My relationship isn't working out with my girlfriend. My relationship isn't working out with my wife but I'm here for the kids. Let's 
take care of the kids. The kids are the most important thing. And that's what my generation taught the millennials. And what the millennials are teaching Generation Z. That the children are the most important. My feelings, anything I think, my ideology, my religion, none of that is important. The only thing that's important is that your kids are happy. Boomer generation said, happy wife, happy life. Our generation and millennial generation, they're saying, happy children, happy life. And we're treating our children exactly the same way that the boomer generation treated their wives. Now, what do you suppose is going to happen when Generation Z takes over the political arena and assumes power? It's already starting to happen, by the way. It's already starting to happen. Where you are a hateful, terrible person if you don't take your boy and dress him up like a girl if he feels like a girl today. And you're considered a terrible father if you don't let your little girl grow up and marry another girl. We Generation Xers and the millennial men have learned from their parents and became yes men. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Whatever you say, dear. And then now we're saying, yes, child. Yes, child. Whatever you say. I don't want my child to be mad at me. I am going to let my son dress up like a girl because I don't want him to grow up and want to commit suicide later because he really feels like a girl. I don't want him to commit suicide. I don't want him to be depressed. I don't want him to be sad. I want him to be happy all the time, so I'm going to do what, whatever he wants and cater to him. See where this is going? Unless something happens now, I am deeply terrified of what the world will look, out, look like when Generation Z is my age and when they are in control of political power. I am fucking terrified. You think Hitler was bad. But I believe that we men can turn it around. And we are. The age of technology, the age of internet, the entire world is open and we see everything before our eyes. Last year alone was an eye-opener showing me the horrifying truth of what's going on in our culture. Thanks to social media, Lockdowns requiring my kid to sit in my house with Zoom distance learning and I, the watchful father, am paying attention to the meetings. I was horrified at what I saw. 2020 lockdowns? I am de deeply grateful that they happened. They say... Hindsight is 2020. It just so happened during that year and all the chaos, 
We had a very crystal clear vision of our world and what's been happening right under our noses for a very long time. They stopped the world. They forced us to look at the screen and see every nasty little detail of what's been happening in our culture. I woke the hell up. And I know other men have woken the hell up. And they're starting to push back and they're starting to say something. Dads are getting involved in the school board pushing back against the Pied Piper of Hamlin who is leading our children away from us. 2020 was a very hard and painful year. But looking back at it, there's that hindsight. It had to happen. It needed to happen. We needed to see some things. We needed to see how so far we were gone. Flaccid, weak men got us here. By the way, when I point the finger, I realize that there are three fingers pointing back at me. I talk about it a lot. I remember a few years back, I had a major fight with my wife about the gender roles of our household and who would do what. And I lost that battle. And for a long time afterwards, I was very bitter. I harbored a lot of deep resentment towards her. And then God slapped me upside the head. He said, it's your fault. Don't you dare blame her. Look at my kids. They're disrespectful. They're out of control. They're spoiled brats. I want to be angry at them. And again, God smacked me upside the head and said, don't you dare blame them. It's your fault. What? Because I was just like a lot of these other men. Passive. Fearful. I just didn't want to be bothered. I acted just like my dad. I just wanted my pleasure. I just wanted my mindless comfort. I just wanted my luxuries. I didn't want drama. I didn't want confrontation. I said, okay, dear, whatever you want. Whatever you want. You know, there's that uh, going joke of the uh, couple that is deciding what they want to do for dinner, where they want to go. It's like, well, let's go out to eat. And the man will say, what do you want, dear? And she'll say, I don't know. What do you want, dear? <laughs> you know, and you get into that circular thing. And uh, that's actually really the case. Um, a couple can't decide on where to go for dinner. A man can't decide where to take his wife for dinner. But that is an example of the problem we find ourselves in.
Nobody knows who to, who is supposed to lead. And nobody really wants to lead. The man doesn't know how to lead. Things changed when I stepped up a few weeks ago and I chose the place we were going to eat. And I said, come on, we're going to dinner. She goes, where are we going? I said, we're going to dinner. And I took her to uh, one of my all-time favorite bars to hang out. They got really good food. And she liked it. And that's how it's going to be. From now on, anytime I take her out, I'm going to say, here's where we're going to go. This is what we're going to do. And she likes that. She likes that. One of her biggest frustrations with me in our marriage was that she had to make all the decisions. She had to do all the work. And I didn't want to do nothing. And it wasn't because I didn't want to, by the way. It's because I didn't know how. And I was scared. And I was passive. But the change had to start with me. I had to get some psychological or metaphysical Viagra because I was flaccid. This flaccid, passive, I don't know, limp-dicked, limp-wristed attitude from men is driving women absolutely crazy and they're terrified. And a common thing that I hear all the time, and this was from my wife, I've heard it from a lot of people, men are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, so women have to step up. Why are women in the workforce full time? Men aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not taking charge. They're flaccid. Why are women running the household? Because men aren't. Now I know why. I fully understand why. Because over the last few years I became a history buff and I like origins. I love the stories of how we got here. All the events and all the decisions and the collective will that got us here. I'm going to do a show all about that, like I said. But right now, real, true, toxic masculinity comes from being a beta. Mark my words. We're going to see a rise in violent crime from men against women. We're going to see a rise in sexual assaults from men against women. Because the men are sexually frustrated and they don't know how to use their words like a big boy. They're out of control. They had no men to show them how to be a man. You're born a male! But you have to be forged by guided, skilled hands of elders, shaped through trials, 
through instruction, through experience, and I believe rituals and rites, initiation. Robert Bly, he's a real big fan of masculine initiation. And there just really isn't any masculine initiation in the world. Boy Scouts, that's been compromised. Now anybody that wants to call themselves a boy gets to be in Boy Scouts. A man or a boy does not have anything he can point at and say, if I do this, 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 and this, then I can become a man. And so a boy doesn't know when he's a man. And there's nobody to tell him he's a man. Because passive fathers say, I don't know. What's a man? We don't know what a man is anymore. Do men wear dresses? Okay. Can men get pregnant? Okay. Can a woman be a man? Sure. Can a man be a woman? Sure. Whatever they feel like. So we really don't know what a man is. The average father can't look at his son and say, Son, this is what a man looks like. This is what a man is supposed to be and do. And this is what it takes for you to get there to forge yourself and cut your teeth and become a man. And that's why I started this podcast series with the first episode. Detailing everything I believe is required and proper for becoming a man. I'm looking back at my own son. And I'm already plotting in my mind of things I'm going to take him through. Things that I'm going to teach him. Experiences I'm going to give him. To show him a clear-cut path to masculinity. And I'm going to give him a goal to reach and say, This is when you can call yourself a man. I am going to close a little bit short. I'm not going to be quite as long-winded as I was in the last one. Because I don't have anything else to say on the topic that won't be said in the next show. And there was much rejoicing. I am going to close with a very famous bit of poetry by Rudyard Kipling. Uh, for those who don't know, he um, authored The Jungle Book. Anyway, he was also a poet. And this is a famous poem, and he had a few things to say about masculinity. The title of the poem is If. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, but don't deal in lies, or being hated, but don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim,
if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all of your winnings, risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. I'm gonna let you go. Until next time. This has been the Mancast Show. Ah!